Now, how many people remember we made a covenant to God and one another in September at our Hidden Acres service? Yeah? What, what, are, what were, there was four intentions. Who remembers any of the things that we intended to do? Now, now, now you've got to prove it, Cyril. I'm sure there was something about the presence. Practicing the presence every day? That's probably the easiest one. <laughs> it was cold. Keeping each other warm. That didn't make it into officially, but that was just, that was just understood. <laughs> Goes without saying. Let's keep each other warm. Well, it's a good thing we're revisiting these. Practicing the, practicing the presence every day. That was one of our intentions. Second one, we will love one another. We'll love God and we will love one another. We will extend hospitality to strangers. And we will grow by being in spirit and in truth. So I just want to... What's that? So basically keep each other warm. Keep each other warm in these four ways. That's right. Let's spice things up, keep things up. We're going to just touch on each of these as briefly as I know how to do. The first one, practicing the presence. I haven't talked about that in a while. And maybe you've forgotten that, that that's a really important thing here at least from my perspective. In fact, I'm convinced it's the most important spiritual discipline we can engage in. And the more that I do it, the more I'm convinced of that fact. What is practicing the presence? Or what, at least what does Troy mean by that when he says that? Well, it starts with awareness. And awareness is about consciously tuning into your experience of reality. Consciously tuning into your feeling in the moment, how you feel, your thinking, and what your body is sensing. A lot of the times we're just living on autopilot mode. You know what I'm talking about? And so awareness is just being aware of my experience of reality and what feelings it's, it's bringing up and what thoughts and what my body is sensing in the moment. So that's the beginning, awareness. But presence is... is more complex, and, and it goes to another level. So being present is, is being aware of my experience of reality and leaning into it, like abiding in that experience of reality, but simultaneously being aware of and abiding in a deeper truth that's bigger than my experience of reality. And that truth, with a capital T, is not something that we intellectually comprehend. Truth is much bigger than that. Truth is spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. So truth is something not that we understand with our minds. It's something that we have to, well, not only grasp, but more so we are grasped by the truth. When we bring into alignment both our mind, our heart, our body, and our soul. That's the only way we are grasped by truth and then we are transformed by truth. Am I making sense so far to at least three people? Okay. Practicing the presence is is leaning into my experience of reality, whatever feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations are associated with that, but also leaning into my experience, my awareness, to abide in. Abide is just the best word that I can think of, because Jesus uses it, but abide in the presence of the spirit of truth that is within me. Now, most of us abide in 
one or two of those realities as Christians. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. Say you are experiencing something and it makes you angry. Well, most of us will either completely lean into and, and abide in that anger without being aware of this deeper, bigger truth of the Spirit that is present within us. Does that make sense? Yeah. So all you're experiencing in that moment is, I'm angry. And you're not really tuning into the Spirit of truth that is within you. Or, if you've been if experienced any kind of spiritual or Christian training... Sometimes how that manifests in our lives is when we experience something like anger, we try and put off that anger as quickly as possible. We try and deny it or suppress it or just ignore it. No, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. And we go immediately like, I'm just, I'm one with you. I'm one with you, Lord, you know? You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we need to do that. I mean, but practicing the presence is about abiding in both of those spaces at the same time. And that's, that's difficult to do, but it's absolutely imperative. Because if otherwise we're just living this compartmentalized life, right? Where there's our experience of reality, or we are trying to experience the presence of God. We need to experience both together, because that's the only way that our real conscious life, our everyday life, is going to be transformed by the spirit of truth that is within us. If we keep those two separate all the time, there's no interaction well, then we don't experience the transformation that God wants us to experience. So I'll give you an example, if some of you are still confused with what I'm talking about. Say I experience something, and I feel hopeless. I just have this overwhelming feeling of hopelessness. And maybe something has happened. Uh, maybe I failed at something that I've been trying to do repeatedly, and I, I, just, I put all my effort into it, and I still failed, and I just feel absolutely hopeless. Or maybe it's just... A feeling of hopelessness. I don't even know why I feel that way. But I just all of a sudden just feel hopeless. So I don't want to judge that feeling. That's my experience of reality in that moment. We're prone to do that, especially with some of the what we call negative emotions, right? We want to abide in that. Abide. So I just need to abide in my hopelessness. Feel it. Because there's probably something there to teach me. There's probably something there that is, that, is a, that hopelessness is a is opening me up to some aspect of my being that needs to be healed, that needs growth, that needs transformation. So abide with that. But at the same time, tune into and abide in the spirit of truth that is greater than my experience of reality in that moment. And when I do that, that there's kind of a paradox there, right? And whenever you're feeling that paradox, that's a, that's a good indication that you are approaching truth. Because truth in the spiritual realm, I believe, is almost always paradoxical. So as you're inhabiting both of those spaces, that's where, that's where growth and healing and transformation happens. And it's going to look different for each of us. But a very simple way that that could happen is when you're feeling this, this hopelessness is, is to simply recognize it without, without judgment. Without trying to squash it. Oh, I shouldn't feel hopeless. I've been so blessed by God. There's so many good things. Don't do that. Stay with the hopelessness, but simultaneously abide in the spirit of truth that is within you as best as you can. And sometimes that's as simple as just praying, God, I feel hopeless, but I know you are with me. I choose to abide in your presence as I abide in this hopelessness, or however you phrase it. Stay in both those spaces. Amazing things 
Can, am I overselling it? Profound things can happen. Profound things can happen. And here's one of the ways that, that I use to try and enter into that space where I'm abiding with the presence of God. Because a lot of times we think we are, but we're not, right? Like, if that's a newsflash to you, I don't know what else to say, except that I'm convinced that what I just said is true. Here's something that has helped me, and it comes from one of the scripture readings from the lectionary readings this week, actually today, where Jesus is baptized. And the Spirit descends upon Jesus in this physical form that is, that is visible. And we always think of it as a dove kind of symbolically coming down, but that's just how the authors describe it. They're like, something, did you guys see that? Something like physically manifested and kind of entered Jesus there. I don't know, it was kind of like a, a bird flying down and entering into it. They're trying to describe something, but something happened. And what, what else happens when Jesus is filled with the Spirit, where Jesus is present with the Spirit and the Spirit is present with Jesus? What happens? Of the voice of God, the Word of God communicates something. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And that is exactly what happens to us when we are present with divine presence. You will feel God's love for you, and you will feel God's pleasure in you for who you are. No matter how much you've messed up the day before, or the moment before. That's how you know you are present with divine presence. You will feel God's love for you, and you will feel God's pleasure in who you are. And sometimes to, I want to use the word conjure, that's certainly not the right word, but, but to elicit this awareness and abiding in the presence of God within my own being, I will, I will state those words from God's perspective about myself. And it often triggers, a positive trigger, triggers me practicing the presence and really abiding in the presence of God. So I simply say, Troy... You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Troy, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And in that moment, I start to, it's like God is speaking to me because God is through those words. Words can be cheap, but words can also be very powerful, incredibly powerful. So I'd encourage you to to try that if you're struggling to abide in the presence of God. Okay. That's practicing the presence. If I go at this rate, we'll be here all week. That's the first commitment. The second commitment is to love one another. And there are many different ways we can love one another. Um, By visiting people who are in the hospital. That's one way we can love them, right? Taking meals to people who who need some meals. They're going through stuff. There's many different ways. You, You all know more ways to love people than I do probably. I like to theoretically think about love. Then once in a while, God reminds me, you should, you should actually do it. <laughs> don't, just, don't just think about how to articulate what love really means to other people on Sunday mornings. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> another way that we love one another is by praying for one another. Praying for one another. And that's why every... Sunday morning, we, we have a spiritual leadership team member who is uh, out there in the foyer waiting to pray for anyone who needs prayer. But that's just one person praying for one person. How do we 
love one another by praying for one another. Well, this is something the spiritual leadership team has been discerning and processing. How do we do this in a way that still honors confidentiality and and privacy? Because that's really important. It's always been important, but it's especially important in the day and age that we live. Because Avon Mennonite Church, long before I got here, it's very important to us to hear what's going on in one another's lives. And it's important to know when our brothers and sisters are struggling, are ill, are in the hospital. Or, but it's also important to know when there's something to celebrate and rejoice. We, we want to know what's going on in others, one another's lives. Um, not because we're nosy, maybe a little bit, but also <laughs> because we, we want to care for one another. We want to love one another. We want to pray for one another. So how do we do that in a way that still honors you know, confidentiality and privacy and all that kind of stuff? Well, we've come up with this, and we're going to try it for a year uh, I'm a big believer in experimentation. Try something new if it doesn't work. Okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. But here's what we're going to try. We're going to invite you to all contact Pastor Amy. She's somewhere here. I'm confident she is. Way at the back. Always sitting at the back. She's one of those. Yep. <laughs> and she's our pastor of congregational care. <laughs> I'm, feeling, I'm feeling like, wow, you don't mess with Amy. Troy, what are you doing? Anyway. <laughs> Be, yeah, exactly, you know, just a rumble of thunder. Okay. <laughs> Contact Amy, our pastor of congregational care, or the church office, Tina, our community life coordinator, and let them know if you have a prayer request or, or something that you're rejoicing and celebrating, a praise item. And then let them know whether you want that communicated publicly to the congregation. That means through Facebook and email and for those on, not on the computer, through the phone chain and, and in the bulletin. If you would like it made public to the congregation or if you would just like it shared with the spiritual leadership team. So at least some of us are praying for you and caring for you and both are fine, absolutely fine. And finally, let them know if you would like your prayer request or your praise item to be prayed for publicly on Sunday morning through a pastoral prayer that one of the spiritual leadership team members uh, will be doing every Sunday. So do you want to try that? Does that make sense? Just to recap, I mean, we're kind of already doing, but just to put it out there, and we'll put that information in, in the bulletin just so everyone's aware, just let Amy or Tina know if you have a prayer request or praise item. Let them know if you want it made public with the congregation and if you would like it included in the pastoral prayer on Sunday morning. And that's just one of the many ways that we can love one another by praying for one another. And sometimes we say we, we lift one another up in prayer. And, and I was like, what does that mean? And I, for me, it means this, that I'm, that I'm actually lifting my consciousness, myself, into the presence of God. I'm becoming aware of the presence of God and I'm holding you in my heart and mind while I do that. And if we are all doing that, you know what? People feel that. I've been, how many churches have I been? I've been at four or five churches. And every church that I have pastored at, people share. I really felt the prayers of the people praying for me. Mm-hmm. And millions of people. This, this is some, well, is there any here who have experienced that where you actually feel the prayers of other people for you? Is there anyone? Okay. That, there's, there's an energy, I don't know how to explain it other than something happens when you hold someone in your heart and mind and then elevate your consciousness so you are present with God. There's something that happens there. 
And that's what I mean by lifting up others in prayer. Maybe you have a different way of thinking about that. Either way, let's just pray for one another because it's a way of loving one another. Okay, the third, extending hospitality to strangers. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe you're at a social gathering or work party or something like that, where you don't really know anyone well and you don't feel welcome? Like you feel like people are maybe avoiding you or ignoring you? I'm a hypersensitive guy, so this happens to me all the time. You know, I'm, I'm just like, like, are they avoiding me? Should I just, okay, what, what do I do? Sometimes I, I feel like a little squirrel, just my tail is always twitching. I'm just <laughs> looking for danger, social danger. That's just the introvert in me. And, but for most of you, 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 you probably don't have quite that extreme case of what I have, whatever we'll call it. The, but being in that, that moment is painful, I don't care who you are, where you really feel like other people are kind of avoiding you or ignoring you. Even if you're supremely confident, that's still kind of like, something wrong with me? Like, what, what's going on here? Well, the last place that should happen is church. Absolutely last place. That, I mean, Jesus' vision, I, I think it's central to Jesus' vision for what and who we are supposed to be, is a culture of radical, inclusive hospitality. There are no insiders or outsiders. There's nobody avoiding anybody or ignoring anyone. We are all part of the kingdom of God. We are all welcome equally as brothers and sisters. And especially, especially the newcomers, the guests, the stranger. A stranger has such a prominent role in the hospitality to Christ. In fact, Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, whatever you do to the stranger, to the the people who are marginalized in society, whatever you do to them, you do unto me. When you avoid that person, you're avoiding Christ. When you ignore that person, you're ignoring Christ. But when you welcome that person, you are welcoming Christ. I mean, here's the reality. When, When someone new, especially if they're a little strange, like strange compared to us, right? That's always the definition of strange, right? Because <laughs> we're, we're pretty, you know, there's a lot of diversity here, but in many ways, there's not a lot of diversity here, right? So someone comes in, and immediately we're like, well, they're clearly not a Mennonite. They're clearly not one of us, right? I know, whatever that means. Does that mean anything? Maybe. <laughs> I might be going out of limb here. I don't know if that makes sense. Because most of the Mennonites in here are looking at me like, we're still thinking about you that way, buddy. (laughs) Oh. Okay, forget that point I was making. I don't even know what it was anymore. Let me read some scripture for you. When you get lost, Troy, go back to the word of God. James 2, verse 1. My dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-originated faith. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him and you say to the man in the suit, sit here, sir, this is the best seat in the house, and ignore the street person or say, better sit here in the back row. Haven't you segregated God's children and proved that you are judges who can't be trusted? God does not show partiality and neither should we. Hebrews 13.2, I always love this verse. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. It's just an exciting way to live, right? 
Makes me think of Michael Landon. Did Michael Landon visit me? <laughs> oh, Luke 14, 13. The next time you put on a dinner or throw a party, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Nope. Invite some people who never get invited out. The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks because you'll be a blessing and you'll experience a blessing. Sure, they won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. The church is called to be a culture of radical, inclusive hospitality. When someone enters our community, whether that's on a Sunday morning in whatever way they enter our community, it doesn't matter their ethnicity, their gender, their sexual orientation, their politics, how they dress, how they talk. It doesn't matter anything about them. They are welcome. They're welcome in the kingdom of God, and they are welcome at Ava Mennonite Church. But more than that, more than that, Jesus doesn't just call them to, in principle and in theory, welcome them. Oh, they're welcome here, all right. <laughs> right? Not, not just in... They want to be... Jesus wants us to literally welcome them. Welcome here. We're so glad that you're here. Now here's my challenge for all of us, is every... Well, maybe I should mention the change in... A, a part of this is leading up to um, why we've changed how we greet people. Has anyone noticed? I don't need to raise your hand. We no longer have the receiving line of greeters in the foyer. You don't need to go greet the greeters. We're changing things a little bit. So the greeter is at the, the front door... And they are greeting people and they are focusing on newcomers and visitors and strangers, extending that radical, inclusive hospitality of Jesus. Welcome here. And then we have someone who's roaming around. You'll never know who they are. <laughs> and, they are and they are keeping their eye out, proactively looking for someone who's, who's a visitor, a guest, a stranger. And welcoming them, extending that radical, inclusive hospitality of Jesus. And if some of you, you know, you're thinking, oh, I need to go greet the greeter. Please don't. They have a job to do. <laughs> right? Here's what you should do instead of going to greet the greeter. Is look for someone you don't know and go welcome them. Extend the hospitality, that radical, inclusive hospitality of Jesus to them. Because newsflash, we are all greeters in the kingdom of God. <laughs> it's, it's not just one or two people every Sunday. Oh, I'm off. I don't need to welcome anyone. That is our job. <laughs> That's our job, to welcome people into the kingdom. Welcome people. Hey, you are entering a place where we actually believe what Jesus teaches. Amen. We actually believe that Jesus wants you to be a part of our community, no matter who you are, because you are bringing things that we... In fact, the stranger you are, the less you are like the rest of us, the more we need you. Because wow. we have a bunch of people that are already like us. <laughs> and Jesus clearly wants to mix things up. Rock that boat a little bit. So, my challenge is for every Sunday for you to welcome one person. Talk to one person that you don't know. Now, here's the thing. Look around. Literally, look around. Just look around. No, I'm serious. Look around. Look around. Stand up if you need to. Like, how many people, how many people in this room do you not know? And maybe some of those people you've been attending church with for decades. But look around, you're like, I don't think I've ever talked to that person. They might have been coming for one year, two years, three years, 20 years. 
I mean, strangers aren't just in walking from out there. We are strangers to one another. There's always going to be at least 10 people in this room that you don't know. You're always going to have one person to go and talk to every Sunday morning. If, if we really did commit, I mean, sometimes we just recite things because, oh, it's on a screen. i got to read it. But other times, we intentionally commit to the things that we read. I will extend hospitality to strangers, including the strangers that I've been going to church with for 20 years. Make sense? If we do that, and here's the thing. I know some of you are thinking, I can't go talk to I'm an introvert too, and my greetings are the worst. Who has been greeted by me? They can testify. I'm surprised we're not getting some amens here. I'm not a good greeter. It's not my gift, you know, and it's always awkward, you know. But here's the thing. I'm slowly learning this. If I go greet people in my awkward way, but I practice the presence while I'm doing it. So I'm, I'm, okay, Spirit of God, I'm present with you, and I'm present with this person, and I start holding God's love for this person in my heart, in my mind. It's still going to be awkward. It's still going to be weird. But I'm convinced that person feels that energy exchange. Even if they're like, that's a weird guy. Oh, he's our pastor. What? <laughs> you, know, you know, like, whatever. But, but, but I think if, if enough of us do that, that, that transfer of, of love energy, not that they're going to go home and be like, wow, I really felt a lot of love transfer energy. They're not going to name it. They're not going to name it that way. But, but they're, if enough of us did that, they would feel that. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. They'd be like, you know, those are weird people. But you know what? I think I felt, what, what is that? Maybe love? Acceptance? So let's just try that. Let's just try. I've got to move on to the fourth one. But that's my challenge, to just talk to someone briefly. Some of you don't latch on to the person and suffocate them. You know, some of the people are opposite to me. You, you know, I go over there, like, I'm like, hi, my name's Troy. Who are you? It's so good to have you here. And then I, you know, bolt. And some of you won't leave them alone. You know, just try and listen to the Spirit of God. Now, so, we're all who we are, and some of you are, are never going to escalate in your EQ, and you're never going to be able to read a room well. <laughs> you're never going to be able to tell that this person wants you to leave. You know, that's who you are, right? I'm not looking at anyone. I'm looking over here. But, but if you practice the presence, I'm convinced Spirit of God will lead us and guide us, always, in all things, including how we small talk with people. You guys believe that? Surely we can all grow in all these areas. Okay, so just greet, well, greet one another. Talk to people that you don't really know every Sunday. The final one is we grow by being in spirit and in truth. And this, I'm going to shorten this one. How do we be in spirit and in truth? Well, I'm going to focus on a bit of a different direction here. This year we are spending time together in the lectionary readings. So the lectionary, it's the Common Revised Lectionary. Uh, year C. There, there are different lectionaries out there. We're using the Common Revised Lectionary, Year C. So as we read them, these passages together, and I just think it'll be so cool that we will be brewing and steeping in the same scripture passages each and every day, not only with one another, but with hundreds of millions of people all over the planet Earth. Just ruminating on the same scripture passages. I just think that'll bring greater unity to us, and it'll Hey, it gives us something to talk about, right? Like, <laughs> Here's what happens when you engage the Bible. Like, a lot of things are triggered. Guilt, shame, maybe wounds from past church experiences, um, baggage from 
old ways that you used to approach Scripture. Also, pride and arrogance, all sorts of things can be, all sorts of ego stuff, pain body stuff, and false self stuff just bubbles up when you interact with Scripture. And and that's okay. You got to get that stuff up at some point anyway, right? I would encourage you to be open to spirit while you engage these scripture passages. Practice the presence. So you're abiding with the feelings and thoughts and senses of your body that are being triggered as you read the Bible, but also abide in the spirit of truth that is within you. And if you do that, I'm convinced profound life-changing truth will be revealed to you. But that profound life-changing truth will only be revealed to you if you are practicing the presence and tuning into the Spirit. One of the readings from this week was uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which basically says this, only the Spirit of God knows the truth of God and can reveal the truth of God to us. Because spiritual truth is spiritually discerned. And what that means is you can read the whole Bible. You can read every passage of Scripture in the lectionary this year. And if you do not do that, tuning in to the Spirit of God, all it is doing is serving to reinforce your your ego, pain body, false self stuff. In fact, engaging the Scripture without the Spirit of God is dangerous and destructive. I mean, look at all the... Look at what has been done in the name of Jesus. Quoting this book. Seriously. Like this, it should have a warning on it. Do not engage without the Spirit. I would encourage you, and if you can only do one passage a week, it's not about how much you're reading, it's it's about how you are reading. If you can only read one passage a week, but practice the presence while you're engaging, then please do. I think it'll be beneficial, not only for you, but for us together.